Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Energy Council's European Hydrogen Conversation. Today, I have with me Tor Sylvester Jefferson from Halder Topso. To give you a bit more information about Tor, Tor started his career in process engineering and plant commissioning and has subsequently uh, worked with the Investments and Business Development Department at Halder Topso. He is currently the Senior Vice President of Business Development at Topso, where he has worked with electrification of chemical products in the last five years. So, of course, with this being the case, electrolysis and that big theme of green hydrogen is something that we're going to discuss today in this short conversation as we look ahead to the European Hydrogen Conference next year. So, uh, welcome, Tor. How are you doing? Well, that is a good question, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm doing well, thank you. I'm a little bit uh, concerned what happens this winter, but yeah. uh, despite that, business is doing well. So you know uh, we can't complain. Rather busy than not. Oh, fantastic answer! Because uh, in the UK, when we answer a question, it's normally "I'm fine," which means that we're having the worst time of our lives. So that's a nice answer to hear. Every all the business is going well. I have usually also answered with "No, I'm not fine," but that <laughs> well, the honesty is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, hopefully this conversation will go fine. And uh, I wanted to just delve into more about the uh, how to top so vision for hydrogen, since we are going to be discussing that in Vienna next year. It's changed a lot of oil and gas companies, a lot of technology companies. And before we go into the more nitty gritty and focus of electrolyzer technology, I just wanted to ask what your thoughts are of the bigger issue of hydrogen in Europe. How are we going to be stimulating demand, developing a more robust supply chain in Europe? How do you see everything playing out in the next five to 10 years? Big question, I know, but uh, I'm sure you have an answer or two. Yes, uh, I was just about to say that's a nice, easy start. <laughs> um, I mean, that's super difficult to answer, right? Because what will happen? I mean, I think we've seen a lot of very positive things play out, both in the political and also in the private commercial sector. I think if you look at the, the COP26, there were a lot of ambitious targets. We're still not really where we want to be with the 1.5, but at least we're getting closer. But I think my main takeaway from that was that what owners and boards are really, they're really driving this. And a lot of uh, private companies are coming out with more ambitious goals and they want to move faster. And I think that's something that gives cause to a lot of optimism. Now, what will then happen in a five to 10 year time frame? that I think we're still a little bit early to say that. I mean, 10 years is a long time, but in sort of the chemical industry, refining industry, steel industry, heavy industry in general, it's, it's quite a short time. And we saw the first half of 21, we saw all these announcements and we see a lot of projects where people are now struggling a little bit to close them. I mean, where are the profits? What's the business justification? How are we going to make this work? And I think that's very natural. I think you, you see the same things for fossil projects. They take some time to mature. They're large investments. And so the question here, what I've been trying to say in a very long-winded way is, <laughs> yeah. will it take half a year or a year or two years before we see some of the first projects really find sort of how to crack that formula? And I think once that comes, then they will dissipate quite quickly and you will see things rolling there. And I think the second aspect of that is how we as, as a continent, at least in Europe, it's the same challenge everywhere. How do you get enough electricity to power this transition? And where do you focus on applying that electricity? So this is not a prediction, but if you ask me what I would like, I hope to see the next five, 10 years, then it's uh, that we kind of split this conversation a little bit. So there's mm -hmm. full focus on just rolling out renewable generation assets as quickly as we can. And that we, at least in Europe, have a more pragmatic approach to this and saying, look, heavy industry, it takes a long time. There are a lot of learnings. We need to start those learnings now. It may not be perfect, but 
these learnings we have now in an imperfect world are what is going to bring us to the goals in the end. So yeah, I see in Europe, five, eight, 10 projects closing in the next year, two years, then maybe a bit of a breather and then the quick large push after that. I like your answer because it's very honest and just very clear of where we are, that we're not actually fully in the know yet. Whereas a lot of people do say, okay, 2050, everything's going to be sorted. We've got all the plans in place right now. It's all going to kick off, but there's still a lot to be done. So yeah, thank you for that. The next step that I wanted to focus on and go a bit further into is your electrolyzer technology, which is area of speciality. And you're talking about the quantity of electricity needed to kick off this uh, sort of move to net zero is just how are sectors embracing this electrolyzer technology that you guys are working on? It seems quite a challenge at the moment. Well, it certainly is. But again, I think this is a really tough job for everybody involved. You're talking about a complete restructuring of these industries. And that's just, I mean, on the plus side, right? Chemical industry, it's been a little bit boring the last 40 years, at least in Europe. Other places <laughs> in the world, it's been full flow, right? But so, you know, I think that's a very positive side. And I, and I also think that despite maybe I was being a little bit sort of on the last question, from my point of view, I, I see enormous uh, positive and, and optimism in, in doing this. So I, I actually, I do think once we get to 2050, then, then we'll be in, in pretty good shape, actually. So I see the foundation being laid for that. I think there's two general theses I sort of see in the market currently. One is, look, it's all about CAPEX, bring CAPEX down and everything will be fine. Efficiency doesn't matter. And the other thesis to which I, of course, subscribe because I'm slightly biased here, but also easy to claim because I think it's the right one, is that efficiency is going to matter here because we need to build out unfathomable amounts of electricity generation. It's really just thinking about how much electricity, electrical energy corresponds to a tanker of crude oil. It's quite a lot, I can tell you. So really, we have to treat this electricity with care and we have to look at how do we use this electricity most efficiently and how do we really do that one because ultimately that will drive profits electricity will never be free nobody is going to put up these projects if they don't give Mm -hmm. a positive return and secondly because that is really the key to accelerating and powering this transition it's about saying it's so difficult to build out all this electricity so let's at least not waste it let's use it very carefully and put it in to use. And that's pretty much the feedback we see from industry, from heavy industry, because heavy industry, they care a lot about efficiency. That's EBIT, right? That's efficiency. Currently, it's about figuring out how to make projects, as we talked about in the first question. And secondly, it's about saying, look, what is the winning technology going to be here? How can we do this in a good way? And there, I think high temperature, ours, but also other people's, that is really what we see being the go-to technology because it's just the EBIT generating technology for industry. Well, I suppose it leads on nicely to just who are in this long way to that net zero where all most industries are uh, electrolyzed or using electricity at full capacity. Like what are the low hanging fruit industries that you're seeing? Like uh, who are the current people that you're working with closely? I mean, you mentioned the heavy duty industries and things like that already. Yeah. And I think that's, that's where we focus. I mean, I think uh, high temperature electrolysis, that's really an industrial uh, technology. There's certainly a lot of low-hanging fruits outside of that, but you know, I think that's maybe not where I really come into play with my, I have less knowledge of that, so I'll refrain from saying something stupid. But looking at, at heavy industry, I think a lot of that is trying to say hybrid revamps of existing assets. So it's about saying, how do you take electricity into an existing fossil asset and then lowering the carbon footprint of those products? could be the fuel pools in refinery, it could be steel plants or similar, also chemical manufacturing. How do you 
bring in electricity and then say for an ammonia plant, let's say 20% of the production comes with electricity and 80% from natural gas. Again, that's not, of course, what you maybe really want in the long term, but it allows everybody to learn and to really accelerate that transition. So that's relatively easy to do. It's also relatively low capex. And then I think that's not a low-hanging fruit, but I do think that the different parts of the industry, they need to have some flagship projects. But that's what people really want to do, right? So we have a lot of discussions on that. And I think that's something that I'm excited to see. There will be FID on a number of these, I think, next year. I think that's really going to create a, a tremendous amount of optimism in the industry. I suppose even though, despite you saying low capex, it's interesting that when, when we talk about the refining industry, they always bring up the issues of investment in the long run, that their investment sort of pool of how much they can invest is always becoming more limited. Are you finding that as a big barrier, especially with electrolyzer technology, where generally the view is that it, the cost is quite high relative to what people want to put in? Yeah, obviously. And I think this will be the one time where I mentioned regulation. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'll refrain from that. <laughs> yeah. But of course, as a refiner, you're looking into a very uncertain future. You're thinking, if I do my investments now, how long am I going to be able to run my assets? How quickly do I need to pay back these assets? So that kind of pushes the hurdle rate and it it makes investments. So people think more about these investments. But I think there actually the the work that's being done on jet fuel and, and other types of low carbon, not no carbon, but low carbon, that will create a framework where I think you'll see some of these investments happen. Also, because I think it's a little bit sort of with the, how do you get the electricity to the refinery? So there's a need to some pragmatic solutions here. And how do you then, you can say, structure this financially, either in a over-the-fence sort of type or in consortias, or how do you bring these infrastructure people into these investments? I think that's going to unlock some of that. Yeah, that's definitely something we're going to be discussing next year about developing that supply chain and connecting it all, because it is looking rather confusing at the moment. So I'm looking forward to making sure we discuss. So we've mentioned electrolyzer technology, green hydrogen. That's something we're definitely focusing on next year. But obviously, for many of these heavy industrial sectors, they are going to be producing a lot of emissions and carbon capture looks like the best option for them. I just wondered what if you could develop also on the blue hydrogen alternative and how you view that as well. That is something we, of course, spend a lot of time on for those that don't know Topsy very well. We, of course, have the whole fuels part. We have the whole chemical part. We have a lot of focus on methanol, methanol derivative, uh, synthetic gasoline, synthetic diesel, synthetic jet fuel. And really the key to go down that route is carbon capture because you need the carbon molecules. Uh, not the carbon molecules, maybe, but you need the carbon to create these molecules, right? Of course, yeah. And then I think, again, it's very regional what you'll see happen. I mean, currently we're pushing a lot of green in Europe. Australia is pushing a lot of green and a lot of blue. They basically just want to make something. I mean, that's not entirely correct, right? But they have a lot of both blue and green projects. And North America, is you have, they have more blue projects compared to green projects. So I think this is something that will depend on the regions on what natural resources do you have and how do you leverage those uh, in a good way. But it is an, an interesting, definitely an interesting prospect to see how that will transition also for the off-takers, what kind of demands they put. But I I see that we clearly see there will be blue projects. That's clear. And I think the blue projects are a very good way to lower the carbon emission. And then it's a question of how do you utilize the carbon there? And I think that there are several interesting options, uh, storage, of course, but also repurposing the carbon. 100%. And uh, you mentioned Australia and things like that in Asia, but I wondered just if you had any specific reference to Europe as well, since we're 
Yeah, the reason I didn't mention Europe that much is because Europe, of course, we're mostly focused on green. You see a lot of green projects in Europe. We also see blue projects in Europe, but comparatively much less. You see in, in Australia and North America, just to use those two references again, mm. you can say there are a couple of flagship projects in Europe, you see. And I think Mask uh, has kicked off a lot of those by, by purchasing their methanol ships. And they're setting some strict requirements for the origin of the carbon. And that is really sort of kickstarting some of those projects. And then, and then you can say, it, it's funny because methanol, when is that green methanol? How can it be green? Then, you know, is it okay? Is it biogenics or two? So there's clearly a lot of discussions to get that going. But you will also see blue projects in Europe. And I think you will see some existing assets add carbon capture to prolong asset life. And to that will come clearly as well. Perfect. Well, I think uh, we've pretty much set the scene for what we'll be discussing next year in Vienna. Is there anything else you'd like to add for our audience before we uh, say adios or ahead of next year? Let's keep it at this. I struggle to be brief, so let's stop <laughs> while the going is good. Yeah, yeah. We'll leave this as a nice Christmas present for everyone. Thank you so much, Tor, again, and uh, have a good day. You're very welcome. Take care. Have a good day. Bye-bye.